Welcome back, podcast listeners. We're here for podcast number 151. I'm here with Tony, and today, Tony, Jamie's absent. Um, he's too busy for us, but you and I are going to talk uh, residential property. We are, and it's nice to have the golden tonsils of Vaughan Smith uh, with us today online. I remember when uh, Jamie first spoke to you on the phone during your job interview, and he said, seriously, this guy should be in radio. Yeah, well, Jamie's actually got a deeper voice than me. Yeah, but you can't uh, understand what Jamie's saying. Yeah, well, he gets a bit excited and starts mumbling, but <laughs> I'll try not to do that. That's how hard. Tony, we've we've talked a fair bit about um, commercial property. Um, we haven't talked much residential property, and um, the market is in a changing phase at the moment. Um, where we've obviously seen the first uh, RBA rate hike. Um, there's fear in markets at the moment. Uh, what are you seeing and expecting uh, coming up in the next year and, and coming years with residential property? Uh, residential property has always probably been the hardest one to predict, to be mm-hmm. honest. There's been, there's been certainly times over the last three decades that I've been following all markets in general where I would have thought that property prices were actually going to come down and come down extremely hard, and they didn't. Um, I think, though, that what we're looking at the moment is there's a lot of fear in general in Australia right now. Uh, there's the fear of uh, with the upcoming elections, both and even in Melbourne, from both a federal and state level. Mm. Uh, so there is there is a lot of fear. There's a lot of fear in the markets right now. There's a lot of fear in respect to job security. Uh, there's so right now. I think just in general, there's a lot of fear in the streets yeah now you know it's it's nice to go out to university cafe last night and big shout out to paul he always spoils us and he's a good estimate supporter vaughn <laughs> uh but there's um there's there's you see people there the cafes are full again especially on tuesday night it was great to see but everyone was talking about the election and mm-hmm. you have one table talking about if liberal win again that's it i'm i'm out of here the place has gone to hell and then you got the other table saying i can't believe that you know labor could win this time three years ago three years ago it was the exact same conversation at university cafe different tables different, yeah. different uh, viewpoints different conversations so i think there's there's always whenever there's any uncertainty in life i think there's fear mm-hmm. and i think what we've seen now is Uh, I was speaking to an accountant yesterday uh, who actually owns quite a bit of property himself and he said he read the article that I sent around from the Australian Financial Review predicting a 15 to 40 percent drop in prices. Now we've never seen anything close to even 25 percent drop in prices, uh, property prices in Australia and he said what a load of rubbish it will never happen and I just asked him the question why? Well because it just won't. So when you've actually been part, and he's a, he's a very intelligent man, but when you've actually been part of a continual growth period, the longer you've been in growth mode, the longer that you think, think that that asset class or that asset is invincible. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's what we've seen. And I, I gave this uh, talk in Chicago a few years ago with uh, the Learner Group. And I, one of the things I stated was one of the problems that I see in Australia is the generation who are under 35 in Australia have never really seen hard times. Mm, so yeah. when the GFC hit, they didn't they didn't see their parents or understand if their parents were you know you might you would have been how old were you 12 years ago uh, 13 I years was, ago uh, 11. 
Okay, so you wouldn't have known any pressure that your parents might have been going through financially. You certainly didn't uh, see any pressure of 17% interest rates Mm. uh, that we've seen uh, here in Australia previously. So what's basically happened is anyone under the 35, because we'd had so many, uh, I think we we were the number one country in the world that had uh, longest between uh, depression, or recession, sorry, not depressions. And so basically, even when the GFC hit, as an example, if you were 35 today, you were 22 when the GFC hit. And if you had a superannuation balance for working at Macca's and you got $4,000 in that superannuation balance and that dropped to two grand, you didn't see it. So you actually haven't seen or witnessed or experienced any real hard times. So Mm. if the hardest thing that somebody's been experiencing is saying, no, you can't have this job or sorry, you lost that football game because yeah, we were keeping scores. <laughs> it's, it's a bit hard when all of a sudden these fears come up. So if you've got a generation of my age who, you know, for the last 30 years have seen really strong economic growth in this country and based on our, because of the stuff we drag out of our ground or grow on top of our ground and export predominantly to Asia, predominantly China, yep. the... The basis of that is we've just seen economic growth for 30 years. And yes, there's been uh, World Trade Center and the tech wreck and and some property prices have been depressed for a period of time but never crashed. Mm. But the last time we saw a real recession was when Paul Keating was in power. Mm. And that wasn't Keating's fault. It was the economic times that we're actually going through. I actually thought he was quite a good prime minister, uh, him and Hawke. But but basically it's that case of I think now what's happening is a lot of people are in fear of the unknown or like my accounting friend uh, that I just mentioned is, nah, it'll never happen, it'll Mm. never happen. Yeah. And And is that confidence partly due to the frequency of valuations of property as an asset class? Because if you see sort of equity markets or even, um, you know, like digital assets now where you can see significant falls in short spaces of time, you don't, when the property market is coming down, and if, if for example, if this RBA, uh, AFR uh, prediction is right, that prices were to be fall. Well, one thing they, they did certainly get in right in there is that the RBA have never predicted anything correctly in the history of the RBA. Yeah, yeah. And they, well, they have described their 2024 forecast. Don't uh, come after me, no. RBA. I'm just quoting yeah. <laughs> Well, they have described it as an embarrassment um, for themselves. That, Philip that, Lowy did uh, it himself. Yeah, yeah. That, that rates, they wouldn't uh, lift rates until 2024, which is obviously not um, come to fruition. But I wonder if um, the confidence in property prices not falling is because they don't get valued so frequently you don't get a valuation on your house every day like you do on your equity portfolio no so on the on the front page of the afr every morning it tells you what the s p 500 has done it tells you what the asx 200 has done it tells you what bitcoin have has done mm. uh the FTSE, the dax all, all the major indices in the world it tells you what they've done overnight and then the very first headline will be the ASX will open today 1.3% down. Yeah. Uh, the ASX is expected to lose ground today based on Wall Street Wall, last yeah, night. Yeah. Or the ASX today is predicted to rise. That's the very first headline you read in the AFR. Uh, the news at night. Uh, they finish the news on, they go to sport, finance, finish on weather. Mm. 
so realistically, it's every night they talk about what's happened. They talk about, they talk about uh, you know, if Albanese wins and he gets to increase the minimum wage by 5.1%, here's the disaster that that will cause for the economy. And then you've got another newspaper saying, here's how wonderful it'll be for the economy. So there's, there's this real fear that's going on. But you rightfully say there's never been on the front page of the AFR, Vaughan Smith, your property has just risen by 1.2% yesterday. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, and realistically, unless you are under financial stress mm. and uh, or unless you're about to sell the property, you really don't know what it's worth. No. Because it's only worth what someone's prepared to pay for it, mm-hmm. or, or more to the point, what you're willing to accept as well mm. uh, for that property. So, so. I think half of that is, well, look at this, I bought this property, my parents bought this property 40 years ago and it's now worth this today. That's fine, you do realise it's only a 6.2% compound growth per year. Mm. Yeah. And do you think that there's... Um, the difference is compound growth and time Yeah. equals high returns. Yeah. You look at everything on a day-to-day basis, it sends you insane. Mm. Yeah. So in the next... with. With rates rising now, um, so there's been one rate rise uh, from the IBA and there's, uh, I think most uh, banks are predicting there's going to be several more uh, over the next year or two. Um, There's two factors that I think are interesting. Firstly, there's a lot of low fixed rate loans that are going to have to change to variable. um, And also the household debt to income ratio is close to all time highs. So... What do you think we're going to see with respect to those two factors for the for, for some big mortgages around Melbourne and Sydney um, over the next two years, and how will that affect house prices? If people are forced to sell, prices will come down. Mm. If there's more sellers than buyers, prices will come down. If we think uh, 18 months ago there were more buyers than sellers, people were buying on sight unseen, buying country areas because they thought they'd never have to return to the office. Um, I think what you're going to have is with interest rate rises, there is going to be that fear, there is going to be that pressure. People are going to want to hold on to their houses for life or death, basically. I think, though, we are going to see prices come down. I don't know whether they'll come down to the 25% mark because there'll have to be high unemployment for that to actually occur. Mm-hmm. Uh, going increasing. Uh, minimum wage by 5.1% is not going to help in respect to mortgage repayments. If anything, it's going to spike inflation even further, which will actually increase interest rates even faster. Yeah, I think that problem is is a hard one to fix, the sensitivity to interest rate changes when the when debt is so high relative to income already, because you're right, increasing wages is going to have the effect on inflation. Um, however, the problem's already there in, in terms of how much debt there is relative to income. So that leads towards, you know, those the, the larger mortgages um, on middle to, to upper income brackets those are the ones that are probably going to have a bit of downward pressure, do you think? Yeah, I think if you think of your generation, your generation are not as overly concerned about buying a quarter acre block in mm. North Bourne, as an example. Mm. And and the quarter acre block in North Bourne has become quite unaffordable. Yeah. Uh, so for, for your generation. But at the same time, you're very comfortable living in and uh, buying a two bedroom flat in Collingwood. You know, it's a now you you necessarily haven't done that, but you know, it's it's a fifteen minute walk to work for you. Mm. It's a fifteen minute walk to your favourite pub. It's a fifteen minute walk to your favourite restaurant. 
and it's actually a lifestyle, but that two-bedroom flat or two-and-a-half-bedroom flat in Collingwood is still potentially going to cost you a nice one, 800000 to a $1 million. Mm. You're still going to have body corp on top of that as well, of, you know, probably about six or seven a year uh, on top of that. Now, you do, you do save money in other areas because you have a theatre in there and you have a gym in there and you have your swimming pool in there, uh, etc. But for you, that two-and-a-half-bedroom flat uh, to live with your missus in Collingwood is a lifestyle choice and you don't have to mow any lawns. But all of a sudden, if your interest repayments on that, let's say, for example, you walked in there and you had 20% equity in that, even after you've paid stamp duty, uh, which stamp duty and payroll tax are the biggest rorts. That's my <laughs> gripe for the day. The GST was meant to get rid of all that, but anyway, we sit here 20 years later, having not done. The... What will happen is that if property prices do come down 25%, you're a negative equity. And if your interest rates, always remember this, I've never seen a bank lose money on a fixed rate interest rate. So if you locked in a fixed rate uh, three years ago at a very low rate, which is, is now going to convert to variable, if you think of that though, what's the interest rate on the variable during that period of time, how low it was, where it's actually crept up to now, you've actually spent more money on a fixed rate, even though it seemed like you're locking in a low rate over say that two, three, four year period, than what you actually, you see coming out and you're paying the same rate, say variable now, Yeah. that variable rate is actually going to go up. And if you do a fixed rate again, the fixed rate's obviously going to be higher yeah. uh, than what the current variable rate is. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's how they'll make their money. So what's, what would happen in that scenario I was giving with you is you've now got potentially negative equity in the property. And let's say you, you're, you were paying principal and interest at 3%. You're a professional, you got a good rate, and now that is at 6%. The 6% interest on a million dollar loan, or let's sake for me uh, calculating in my head, a million dollar loan, that's 60,000 a year you're paying an interest alone on a two-bedroom apartment that you could rent for 50000 a year. Yeah. So is that property going to go up? And then if you're having to repay principal as well, you're all of a sudden looking at potentially $80,000-plus a year in repayments. That's sizable. Mm. And that puts pressure. And if you've got one of the sad parts of financial pressure in a household is that leads to relationship pressure. Mm. That leads to putting off things like starting a family. That leads to, um, you know, really seriously considering uh, what school you want your children to go through and things like that. So there's a lot of other pressures that come from that, never mind if you are under, if you have job insecurity as well. You know, if, if minimum rates rise, I can tell you unemployment will rise with it. Yeah. That's yeah. what's going. To, that that's what will occur because if you have if you're ri- raising uh, minimum wage by five point one percent, you're also having to pay payroll tax on top of that as well. I mean, payroll tax is someone's year's wage. Uh, mm. There's some companies, and we're talking smaller companies like us that end up having to pay. Mm. And you know that, that's absolutely huge. So between all that, the employer saying, "Well, we've got to cut." Mm. So we're going to cut staff and you're now going to have to work an extra hour and a half and do more per day in your day than what you were doing. Once again, that's the pressure that goes on. And then sometimes you might say, you know, this is too hard. Let's just sell this property. Yeah. Or you're forced to sell this property or there's a relationship breakdown and you're forced to sell the property as a result of that too. Mm. And you both walk away with nothing. Yeah. 
And that, those are all products of a, a not being prepared for a changing economic environment of rising interest rates because, you know, the, the accessibility to debt um, over the last few years has been historically low and that, that's in the process of changing. So yeah, well, you know, they, the banks tightened up lending at one stage there and then freed up lending again another stage and, it's, uh, and because they're allowed to, mm. uh, APRA allowed them to, and money's cheap. Yeah. People are borrowing and they've potentially got properties that they might not be able to afford in the not too distant future. And if they once again, if there's more sellers and buyers, uh, the people that will win out of that, uh, I hate to say it, but the you know, the the ones that most people gripe about, the baby boomers, because mm. they've got the money. Yeah. Yeah. So and not needing to borrow. Yeah. So those properties if they're sold, they're sold to someone. And if the baby boomer could buy that two-bedroom flat and rent it back back out to you yeah. for fifty thousand a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but they're but they're not having to borrow money to actually do it. Yeah, bearing in mind you should be inheriting off them, so yeah, don't yeah. don't believe them too much. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess the prices. So if we talk about rates rising and how it's going to affect different um, you know parts of society, and it's also going to affect different areas of uh, say Victoria, for example. Mm-hmm. So there's there's some parts where, like you mentioned, with uh, people had the work from home idea in their head and have bought properties in regional areas. Um, there's potentially going to be some pretty pretty low equity in, in a lot of regional properties, and that's actually uh, affected regional towns, uh, the affordability of locals uh, to purchase in regional towns as well. It's not just the affordability to purchase, is they can't find places to rent. Mm. Because a lot of the properties that have actually been uh, purchased up there, uh, they they might you know, be there four days a week and then come back to Melbourne uh, for the weekends and Airbnb the properties out. So these properties that have been purchased, the locals haven't got even properties to rent out. Yeah, uh, even though some rent. of those probably properties are actually vacant for a lot of the That's year, but um, the Airbnb yield is actually higher than what Airbnb it would be to rent them to a for family. 40 weekends a year, and it's more than what you would have got as renting it out for 12 months. Yeah. And, yeah. You've, and you've got the ability to be able to use the property uh, during other times as well. So, yeah, it, it's actually caused, uh, once again, there's a lot of social unease that that causes as well. Mm. You know, a lot of locals don't like the tourists coming in, although the tourists are in a lot of towns is what the economy is. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's a it, it's a double edged sword, isn't it? Because you've got the you know they stimulate the local economy, but when it starts to affect property, um, then it actually has quite a detrimental effect. Well, if you think of some of the larger country towns uh, that you know, for example, when I was growing up as a kid, we used to go to Horsham all the time, and Horsham was this beautiful country, old school country yeah. town mecca, and and a lot of the other you know country towns as well. But now that now they seem to just be. No, even uh, we stopped off in Warragul on the way to when we were staying out in Gippsland uh, for a long weekend and yep. Airbnb and a bead placed out there. And it was actually quite interesting because the little country town of Minion has now gone through the roof. And, you know, in respect to prices, just, you know, they've gone up 100% in the last three years. Our property prices there. Locals are being forced out of this little country town. But stopping in Warragul, no, you know, which was a nice country town, 20 years ago, yeah. wouldn't be buying there now. Some of the other ones you wouldn't be buying there now. There's there's drug issues in a lot of these larger country towns. There's unemployment issues. There's there's a whole there's a whole range of issues, and we're, we're talking big towns. Mm. Um, yeah. So so and then you've got the other towns which are the tourist hotspots. You know, like your brights, etc., where 
locals can't afford anymore, so they're getting pushed out uh, to the likes of Myrtleford, and uh, you can't afford to buy Myrtleford anymore yeah, either. It's the same so problem, yeah, yeah. So good footy team can't afford to buy yeah. property there anymore. <laughs> yeah. All right. Very interesting. Well, thanks, Tony. I think Brisbane. Um, sorry, Vaughan. I think Brisbane is probably the most affordable capital city at the moment, and will yeah. probably have the the most uh, capital growth in respect to asset appreciation over the next decade. Uh, Brisbane have done it really well. Pers- Let's put it this way, if you're you're working in this job in Melbourne, you'd be doing the same job in Brisbane, you'd be getting paid the exact same wage. Uh, in if you were to buy a you know two bedroom flat here seven kilometres outside the CBD, uh, so how far do you, out of CBD do you live at the moment? Oh, about twelve k's. Okay, so let's let's even say let's say let's say twelve k outside the CBD. Yeah, because I know your suburb where you live, you'd be paying tw- twice as much there for a basically two bedroom. I don't even think you could buy a two-bedroom place out where you live. Probably uh, not. Oh, there's a few around. But yeah. <laughs> I'll just take you as an example. You'd yeah. be paying a two-bedroom. You do get some single-fronted uh, properties in Q, which is 7K outside the CBD. You'd be paying for a two-bedroom uh, house there, shotgun house, as they say. You know, you shoot a shotgun in the front door, go straight out the back. Yeah. Uh, so the But you'd be... You'd be purchasing that for about 1.6 million. You'd yeah. be, if you're renting it out, you'd be lucky to get about a 0.8, maybe 1% rental yield mm. uh, for that property. And uh, in Brisbane, you'd be a 7K outside the city for 1.6 million dollars. You'd be getting a four to five bedroom, uh, double story house, uh, most likely with a swimming pool in the backyard. 7K from the city, it still takes you 20 minutes to get to work if you're driving into the CBD in Brisbane, mm. whereas it takes you up to 40 minutes here. Yeah. And you're yeah. on the exact same wage. So the debt-to-wage debt to ratio in Brisbane is far less because people have got bigger houses for a lot less per Borrowing square meterage. earning just as much. Yeah. That's right. And that probably means that, I guess, in cities like Brisbane, relative to, say, your Melbournes and Sydneys, the uh, actual house prices are going to be less volatile because yeah. Sydney, you get Sydney and Melbourne, you get obviously large borrowing, uh, cheap debt, and then uh, house prices are inflated, and then the pressure comes when rates rise. Whereas somewhere in Brisbane, people borrowing, people buying for a two-bedroom um, apartment or townhouse, you know, they're not going to be under as much pressure. They're not. They don't have that same sensitivity to, to rate changes. So economics 101, isn't yeah, it? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks, Tony. Um, Good chat, and uh, we'll see you next time with uh, Jamie. Yes, Jamie will be back in the chair next week. The Coffin Bond Podcast is a product from Coffin Bond & Co., which we are an authorised representative of Cam Financial. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of the Coffin Bond Podcast are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decision, you should read the product disclosure statement, and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from the podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Kofkin Bond website, or you can find resources on the ASIC website and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Kofkin Bond and Co. and the hosts of the Kofkin Bond podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of the country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.